Well, good morning, Gospel Community Church. How are we? We good? You guys are getting better every week. Every week. We might get up to seven people next week, I think. No, you guys are great. <laughs> uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Ben Hertz, and I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, what a joy it is to gather together. Thank you, Zach and team, for, for leading us this morning in worship to be uh, have our hearts recentered to Christ. And as Aaron mentioned, uh, with those cards, we'd love to have everybody fill those out. Just place those under your seat, and we'll collect those at the end. That's fine. And as he said, we'd love to get a gift into your hands if you just come see us in that back table there. Uh, we have a mug that we'd love for you to remember us and pray for us by, so be sure to do that. Well, we are right in the middle of, of the series uh, talking about the DNA of our church. And so let me invite you now to open your Bibles to Psalm 100, and we're going to get there in a few minutes. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to review uh, what we've talked about. And just every week for these next, for these seven weeks that we're going through our DNA, I just want to go through each of these uh, because I want each and every one of the, us to have these memorized so that somebody comes in contact with you and, and asks you what your church is all about, you will have a good understanding uh, to be able to display to them, hey, these are the things that matter most. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about our mission. What's our mission? Very good, very good. <laughs> to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Right? We're not making disciples of ourselves. Uh, we're not making disciples of Gospel Community Church. We want disciples who look like Jesus Christ. Right? That's what we're going for. But really, everything that we do, we do all for the glory of God. We don't want the attention to be turned back to ourselves. We don't want you to be impressed with any people when you come into these rooms and when, you, and when you leave. We want you to be impressed with who God is and his glory. Uh, couple weeks, last week we talked about bold preaching. And we talked about the fact that when it comes to bold preaching, it's not about the confidence of the preacher. It's not about the cleverness but rather, it's centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bold preaching can only happen when Jesus Christ is the center of the word. Uh, today, we're going to talk about sincere worship. Sincere worship. Next week, we're going to hit on fervent prayer. And we're going to have the opportunity, as, as Aaron mentioned, to put that into practice. And we would love to see you make, a, make that an opportunity for you to be here. And, and we may make that a regular rhythm. Well, we, prayer will be a regu regular rhythm, but we may make that a regular rhythm on a Sunday monthly. And so that may mean, for those of you who have kids, you're trading off, like, who's taking care of the kids that week. Maybe you have to drive separately. But listen, when it comes to the things of the Lord, sometimes we've got to sacrifice. And we want to express that dependence through fervent prayer. Purposeful discipleship we'll be talking about in a few weeks. Intentional and in community. We say we're not a church that has small groups. We're a church of small groups because we believe discipleship happens best when we do life together in smaller circles of people. Courageous evangelism is another core value that we have. We are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That means going, starting with where we're at. And then lastly, strategic church planting. And so I want you to, to memorize these six core values as well as our mission so that you have a great understanding of what our church is about. So this morning we are talking about sincere worship. And you should have your Bibles already open to Psalm 100. 
Now, when you, when you even say the word worship, there's a lot of things that come to mind. And when we think about worship in music, is it not true that that can be a very divisive thing in the church? Can it not? And, we, and so many people have so many different preferences. There may be some of you who value and would rather you prefer to sing like hymns. And let's sing the older songs, those songs that have stood the test of time. And there may be some of you here who are like, you know what, I just prefer the new stuff. The old stuff is so boring and we don't, I'm not moved at all emotionally. I'd rather just sing new stuff. Why are we singing this old stuff? It's old. <laughs> and then there's people like me who would prefer a blend of, of the old and the new. But when it comes to sincere worship, it has nothing to do with our preference of style, does it? In fact, we ground this core value, sincere worship, in John 4, 23 and 24. And this is what John 4, 23 and 24 says. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So, so we are called in sincere worship to worship in spirit and in truth. So what exactly does that mean to worship in spirit? Let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Well, first of all, a little history into this text here in John. Uh, Jesus is talking with the Samaritan woman, you may remember, at the well. And, and they're talking about different things. And very quickly, she realizes that this is no typical man. He knows things of her that he had no way of knowing unless he was God. And so she's catching on that there's something deep about this man that she's talking with. And so this woman says this to Jesus. Our father worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And so this was what ultimately led Jesus to explain to the woman... It's not about where you worship. It's not a physical place that you come to. Rather, worship happens internally. Here, here's the truth. You can come here this morning, you can sing your face off and be the loudest person in here, and you may not be worshiping at all. Vice versa, you could be isolated somewhere on an island, at home by yourself, cleaning dishes or whatnot with nobody else around, and you could be fully engaged in true worship. What Jesus was going after with this woman is saying, look, it's not about where you worship. It's not about the physical location. It's about where your heart is. It's about internally, are you one who truly worships Christ internally? Do you have a God-centered approach to worship? When you came here to morning, this morning, was your heart turned to the Lord? Was it ready to engage with him? It reminds me of a cheer that uh, I remember in high school at basketball games. And, and the cheer went something like this. We've got the spirit. Yes, we do. We've got the spirit. How about you? And so what would happen if the other team was paying attention is they would in turn say it back to you. But what were they getting at? What was that cheer all about? Well, that cheer was all about the fact that they were saying, hey, man, we are all in. We love this team. We are pumped to be here. We are ready to destroy you. We are fully supporting our guys. We're all in. And really, that's 
how we worship the Lord in spirit, is it not? We come gathering together not because it's what we should do, not because that's just the way I was raised and so you're supposed to go to church and I want to be a good boy and a good girl. And so I come here on a Sunday morning and look at my sacrifice. I got up early to come, at, come to church. That, that, there, if that's your understanding of what church is all about, then you are not a sincere worshiper. But rather, we come here, this morning we've remembered Jesus through communion because we are pumped about our guy, aren't we? We are pumped about who Jesus is. We are fully behind him. We are fully bowing down and surrendering to him. He can do whatever he wants to. He is sovereign. We've got the spirit because we believe in who Jesus is. And our hearts are stirred. Our hearts are in wonder of who this Jesus is. Now, I understand some of you may be like, well, we got to be careful of emotions. And, and I would agree. I think we do have to be careful with emotions. But I think we can also be tempted to undervalue them. We should be moved emotionally by who God is. For some of us, that may mean tears. You've seen me cry, right? <laughs> I can't help that sometimes when I'm overcome by God's grace and mercy in my life. That doesn't mean you have to cry. Some of us are moved to shouts of joy. I love when worship gets maybe a little bit out of control. Like, just a little. I, you know, not really out of control. But I love like a, a loud worship when people are shouting hallelujah. We should be moved internally. We should. Whether or not we're going to express it through tears or shouts of joy or raising our hands, there should be an internal joy because we can't believe that God would love someone like us. But it's not just worshiping in spirit. We also worship in truth. We're not just coming to be moved emotionally without a care in the world of what we're singing. We also value what we sing. It matters the lyrics that come out of our mouths, the lyrics that go up on the screen. And even Jesus said this about himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. We worship through who Jesus is. And so for the rest of our time this morning, what I want to do is look at Psalm 100. And we're going to see worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth in this great psalm. Psalm 100, follow along as I read for us. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His fast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So first of all, sincere worship begins with a joyful heart. Sincere worship begins with a joyful heart. Look again at verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. So in the Hebrew here, what, what this means is this, this literally means like 
an, a public shout. It's a loud public declaration. And so really for many of you, this is really good news for you. Because it doesn't say make a beautiful noise. <laughs> it says make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise right off the bat. We are not called to necessarily sound beautifully. Now praise the Lord for people who have the gift of singing, right? And I don't think everybody is gifted nor everybody should be up here on the platform. If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you're better off there making a joyful noise out there. <laughs> However... When I look at the text, what I see is this call for each and every person who has words to say out of their mouth to declare with their mouth God's praises. Make a joyful noise. And, and the sad part for me is I've, I've heard so many people who have said, you know what, singing's not my thing. Not my thing. And so I'm just going to sit the singing out or just kind of listen and pay attention. But I, I'm not going to sing. I, I, know, I, I even know of people... From, other, from a church I used to go to where they would skip the worship completely and just come in for the sermon. And, and what I would challenge you on is God's word says make a literal noise with your lips. Make a noise. And so if you came here this morning and you're, you're one of those people, you claim Christ, but yet you're not making a noise with your lips, I would, I would challenge you. Let the expression of your heart come out in literal words. The scripture says, even rocks will cry out if we are silent. May that not be so. May the rocks not have to cry out because we are silent. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Uh, so, we, so those of you who are new here, we used to be a campus of Gospel City Church in Granger. And so when I first became a pastor uh, I wasn't, I didn't start out here. I was actually a pastor at that campus in Granger. We are now an autonomous church. We stand alone. But while we were attending there, uh, you know, it's kind of like a Baptist church where everybody kind of has their spot, you know. You sit in your, your main spot. And so we were always like two or three rows up uh, from on the left side. And usually, most weeks, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Mike would sit behind me. And let, let me just say, Mike was a guy who, who praise the Lord, he wasn't up here leading. He could, the dude couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. He, he, that's just not the way he was gifted. But you know what? I absolutely loved being in front of him. Because I knew his testimony. Uh, he, was, he was a guy who was actually living with his girlfriend when he came to church, was an unbeliever. And Pastor Trent had heard about it and challenged him and talked to him. And he saw his need for Christ and he repented and he believed and he ended up getting married on, basically on the spot right away, got married to his wife and is serving the Lord. And so I know that when he's singing, he's amazed at God's grace in his life. And so I don't care what he sounds like. I, I care more about the people who are just singing. Let it out. Make a joyful noise. What a beautiful thing it is for the Lord to hear those who are, who are making a joyful noise from the goodness, from the gladness, from the joy that's in their hearts. Make a joyful noise. So let me encourage you to sing it out every week, week in and week out. I want to not be able to hear myself sing because I, and let me just say, most weeks, if not every week, I hear the people singing. And so I would just say, keep it up. And for those of you who are maybe quiet and you're afraid of what people would think, let me just say, forget that. Who cares? You're not singing to us. The worship team this morning wasn't singing to us. They're singing to the Lord. It's about our relationship with the Lord. 
it goes on to say, serve the Lord with gladness. So this idea of serve, what it means is this. It means to work at it, labor over it, expend considerable energy and intensity at serving the Lord. This is not something that we should just simply come in and we tolerate the worship. We come in and we are joyful and we are serving the Lord with the praise of our lips out of a heart full of gladness. Because that is based on the truth. It's not based on some emotionalism. It's not based on our gifting of whether or not we can sing a song. We serve the Lord with our lips because he's worthy of it. Don't simply tolerate. Jump in. It's about you and your relationship with God and your expression of your joy to him in that. And isn't it true as believers in Christ... We have the greatest reason to celebrate. We were once lost. Right? We were buried beneath our shame. A weight that we could not carry. It was our tomb, wasn't it? Until we met Jesus. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. A life that we could not live. And then he died the death that we should have died. We should have paid the price for our sin. And yet, through our faith and repentance, we no longer have to face the wrath of God. And so why do we come? Why do we make a joyful noise? Because we are so unworthy. The smallest sin that we could ever commit is worthy for us to be cast into hell, into hell for an eternity. And yet, we live lives full of sin. And Jesus says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's why we sing. So my challenge for all of us, God has given you breath. Worship. Sing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Sincere worship begins with a joyful heart. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 5 says something similar. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Sincere worship begins with a joyful heart. And sincere worship is grounded in truth. Sincere worship is grounded in truth. We as believers in Christ have the greatest reason to make a joyful noise. And the reason we are glad, the reason we have glad singing hearts is because we know the truth. Right? We're not just singing and trying to get ourselves to flare up emotionally. Our emotions are in response to the truth. Know that the Lord, he is God. God is in control, is he not? Completely sovereign. COVID-19 got nothing on Jesus. Racism has nothing on Jesus. The troubles of this world do not rattle Jesus at all. 
Jesus is not up there thinking. You ever think about that? <laughs> Jesus doesn't think. He just does because he's God. He's not up there like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. Wow, I didn't think they'd respond that way. Oh, man, what's this virus? Where'd that come from? I, I, I didn't, wait, is, is that second hesitations or something? God is completely sovereign. He is God. He is in control. He's not rattled. That's the God that we serve. We're rattled, but we don't need to be because of who Jesus is. Because who God is. It is he who made us, and we are his. You know that I am a pretty passionate person, right? Like, I, I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. It's just the way God's wired me. I, I rarely am able to fake it and put a smile on if inside I'm not doing well. So I wear it out there. You've seen me in tears. You've seen me raise my hands. You've heard me shout. But make no mistake, my emotional responses are not just to try to rile you up. <laughs> my responses are based on the truth and on the reality of who Jesus is. The fact that I belong to God is absolutely absurd to me. When I even consider this week and I think of the times that I was just lazy at home, looking at my phone when I should have been engaged with my kids, times where I'm letting Nikki kind of take care of the kids when it's, I need to step up or I've had a busy day at work and so I'm coming home and I just want to veg out while she's been with the kids all day. And the fact that Jesus would still say that you are mine. The fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How can I not lift my hands up? Again, I'm not saying that everybody needs to lift their hand. But how can I not respond with gladness in my heart? Because of the truth of who God is. I belong to him. He made me. I am his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I'm selfish. I'm proud. I'm a mess. And yet, Jesus still calls me his own. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Even the bad things that come into our life, he uses them for good. For I know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Isn't that amazing? If he began the work in, in you, guess what? He's going to complete it. He's going to bring it to the end. So even as I stray a little bit here and there, he always brings me back. Why? Because he's good. And when I'm a bonehead and make a stupid decision, he forgives me. He, corrupt, he corrects me. He disciplines me. Because those who discipline love those who they discipline. And the Father loves us. He's good. And his steadfast love endures forever. You ever feel like your love for people could be so fickle sometimes? <laughs> You can see how angry sometimes you get riled up, my own heart in that. 
And yet Jesus doesn't lose patience with us. I don't think Jesus gets irritated. Oh, come on, Ben. I did that for him, and this is the way he treats me. I'm going to zap him now. He was tempted in every way. Yet he was without sin, and therefore we can approach his throne of grace with confidence and find our help in time of need. Know that the Lord, he is good. Our spirit is stirred up because of the truth. This is why we take great value in what we sing. Worshiping in spirit and in truth helps us protect us, doesn't it? We don't get emotional for emotion's sake. And and certainly in the church as a whole, there are different movements that I've seen where my greatest, my fear is I look and there's, there's huge emotionalism that's going on in the church. And there are certain movements who are trying to create and stir up the spirit, per se, as if it was up to them. I can remember Nikki used to attend a church, and uh, now I think, I think there's, I, I'm not saying tongues are done with, and they're, you know, the, the speaking of tongues of an angelic angel are, you know, necessarily a thing of the past. But, like, she was at a church where they're like, you just got to kind of start kind of gibberish talk and let the spirit move you. And I'm like... I mean, that makes no sense at all. Like, when does it come to the point where we're just working ourselves up and we're saying whatever we want to and we're just kind of declaring that's the spirit? You know, I remember Paul saying, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. We worship in truth. And these churches who are full of that, I listen to some of their music and a lot of the music today, and not all of it, there's excellent music that comes out today, but some of it, I listen and I'm like, This is all about me. This is all horizontal. This is all about like stirring us up emotionally and having this poetic language that I don't even understand. I'm just a simple guy. (laughs) And we as a church have even sung songs before and have just decided through my conscience, I can't sing this anymore because I feel like this is just, this is pointing to man. This isn't pointing to the glory of who God is. We worship not just in spirit, we worship in truth. But you know what? We can also go off the rail on the truth side, can't we? I used to be a part of a church that just valued the hymns so much. So that I sang a hymn in a different way and I got an anonymous message that said, can we just sing Amazing Grace the right way? I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was a right way to sing Amazing Grace. The lyrics are exactly the same. And they were so hung up on that old truth and the new stuff. There's no good new stuff, you know, new music out there. It's all emotional. And we can go overboard that way. And we can value truth so much that our lives aren't even stirred. And honestly, many of those people, not, not everyone, but a lot of them would be stirred. Like, they would be so angry about, like, the emotionalism. And yet, I saw their hearts and there was no joy for the Lord. And so we have to be careful here. And I love this quote by... John Piper that kind of just brings these two together. We worship in spirit and truth. There's ditches on both sides. And he says this, truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. We can become doctrine like warriors where we're looking for every single line. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I think that line's off a little bit. And can't you take anything and first of all make it truth? And you could also take anything out of context and make it false. 
So we have to be careful here. We value the truth, absolutely. On the other hand, Piper says, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. So we can go on that end too where we're not thinking deeply and we just want to feel good. You know, I don't really care what I sing. I just want to feel good. As long as I feel good, we're good. <laughs> but true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. We worship in spirit and in truth. We should be moved emotionally based on the truth of who God is. And so I think it's worthy of all of us today, this morning, to, to think through, is there a, a ditch that I could tend to fall off of here? Is there, a, is there an area here, can I be one who can be so emotionless that I just want the strong doctrine where we aren't moved at all? There's no affections for God. We just care so much about truth, and if you are off in the slightest bit, I am going to rip you apart because you need to hold to the truth of God's word, which... You can go too far, can't you? Maybe you're on the side of, you know what, I just want to be moved emotionally. As long as I feel good walking out of here, I don't care what we sing. I just want to feel good. And we can lose the, this idea that we are supposed to think. God give us, gave us brains to think. And so we want to sing deep truths, but we also want to be moved by the truth of God's word. So where, where do you need to grow when it comes to worship, are you one of those who you only want hymns? Or are you one of those who only wants the new stuff? Style can come and go. Preferences will come and go. But what we value is the truth of what we sing. Amen? Let's be united by that. I love the hymns. I do. And when I left the church that made such a big deal about the hymns, I actually went to a church that didn't make a big deal about the hymns, and when they sang them, I could actually see the depth of it because I wasn't sidetracked by those who just, who just cared about what year the song was made versus what was in the songs. Let's be a church that that's what we value. We value the truth, and the truth ultimately moves us emotionally. And so, spirit and truth, since your worship begins with a joyful heart, since your worship is grounded in truth, and so I think we, all we also see here is just how do we get help and just ongoing, on, like on an ongoing basis, we keep our worship sincere. And we see this in verse 4. We see that sincere worship is spurred on in thanksgiving. Sincere worship is spurred on in thanksgiving. Look at verse 4. His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. And isn't thanksgiving kind of an overflow of a true heart that worships in spirit and truth? You see the truth, you're moved by the truth, that God works everything for the good of those who love him. 
And because of that, because of God's goodness, you are moved emotionally where you can't help but express through thanksgiving. So how do we stay grounded as sincere worshipers? We have thankful hearts. We have communion. Why? Why did Jesus say, do this as often as you will in remembrance of me? Because Jesus knows the tendency that we have to forget. We could easily go home on the way home today. Somebody cuts us off driving. We get bad service at a restaurant. And if we're not careful, our hearts are already gone. <laughs> right? I've been there. I've had great times in the morning with the Lord. And then I leave the house and all of a sudden nobody knows how to drive. And by the time I get to church, I'm angry and i got to work through, <laughs> i got to do it all over again. i got to turn my heart back to the Lord. But as we grow in thanksgiving, as we realize what God has done for us, his grace that has been shed to us. And when we express that back to the Lord through thanksgiving, that keeps us grounded, doesn't it? It spurs on our sincere worship. And so when it comes to this, let me ask you. Are you a thankful person? As you go through life, as you encounter these, 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 road, these bumps in the road, as you have the bad service at a restaurant, and when somebody cuts you off, when your kids are out of control and won't obey you, when your spouse seems to not give a, doesn't care about you at all, when you're at a job that you can't stand and you just want to quit every week, are you able to see God's goodness in that? Are you able to look at the job that you can't stand that's providing your bills and say, you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are providing for my need. For those kids, some of you right now are thinking, man, I would love to have a child. Those of you, are you humbled by the fact that God would even gift you with a child? Isn't that kind of an amazing thing? Don't you ever stop and think, what was God thinking that he would give me five kids? <laughs> God, do you know how selfish I am? The, the way I kind of look at it is the more kids you have, the more God wants to humble you. That's just kind of how I look at it. <laughs> the more kids you have, it's like that's the person that God's trying to get their attention <laughs> to say, hey, you're pretty selfish. Here's another kid. <laughs> kids are a gift from the Lord, though, aren't they? But we have to learn to see God's goodness in everything. Are you aware that God's going to work Everything out for your good. If we want to grow as sincere worshipers, we'll worship in spirit and truth, and we will spur that on by allowing that response to lead us to a heart of thanksgiving. So we're going to have a moment here where you're gonna, we're going to be able to respond in praise again. And I want you to be thinking about these things. I don't care how you sing. I just care that if God has given you a voice, that you make a noise. Make a joyful noise from the depths of your heart and what God has done. And don't worry about what anybody else says about you. Like I said, I, I love the sincere worshiper who sounds terrible versus the beautiful soul, the beautiful heart. I mean, I'm messing this all up. <laughs> the beautiful voice that has a heart that's as cold as stone. God doesn't look at the quality of the sound. He looks at the quality of the heart. The heart that's been rescued by Jesus. The heart that is thankful because of what Jesus has done for them. So let us be a church full of sincere worshipers who are thankful and who worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray.
praise the Lord, Father, your mercies are more. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. God, that ye would be mindful. Who are we that ye would be mindful of us? And Father, even in my best days, I can use my righteousness as a deep weapon of pride to cut others in a sinful way. Lord, you are gracious and merciful. Would you remind us of that this morning? Remind us of the truth of our sinfulness and the fact that while we were still sinners, you died for us. It doesn't say when we got our act together, you died. Because you never would have died. Because we were running the other way. We were running after our own flesh. And you plucked us from that path and pointed us to you, Lord. In my prayer, there may be some here who have never repented and never seen their desperate need for you. Lord, in my heart, my prayer for them, Lord, is that you would open their eyes, that they would behold. They would see their sin. They would see the wreck that they make of their own lives and realize their desperateness. And that they would find great hope, Lord. Maybe they are even sinking in their sin. Lord, that they would see the hope of Jesus, that Jesus came not to save those who had it together. He came to save those who realized they are so unworthy of you. And that's the whole point why Jesus came. God, free us from trying to perform. Free us from thinking that we have to have it together before we can come to you and realize that we can crawl to you and you receive us. You don't receive us based on our performance. You receive us based on the performance of Jesus Christ. So God, let us respond in repentance and faith in you. God, make us true worshipers. I don't want to hear the rocks cry out because we aren't. So Father, move in us. And let our worship change us. Make a difference in us, Lord, where we become thankful people. Oh, God, how the world needs to see thankful people in today's world. In the mess that's around us, God, let us be the shining light of thankfulness. Even in the midst of suffering, God, that we would understand our position before you apart from Christ. And then understand who we are after Christ, Lord. Let that lead to thanksgiving. Because I know that will make such a huge difference if we are thankful people, not just on Sunday mornings. But on Monday through Saturday as well. God, you are good and gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we praise you for your goodness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you now to stand. And we have an opportunity for us to practice what the psalmist said, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. So let's do that together now.